Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Hey, good morning, 11 a.m. How you doing this morning? Look at y'all. How you doing? Okay, okay, okay. It is good to be with you. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I'm, it's just so good to see you. I know I say this every week and it gets a little old, but it just hits different in this room, doesn't it? It just hits different. It's, it's different to be together like this and to, to worship together and to be in God's presence like this together. So I'm so, so grateful that you are here. And if you're worshiping with us online, we would love for you to let us know where you're joining us from. It's, it's crazy to see how God is using this church Uh, literally to reach people all over the world. Uh, It happens every week. And so can you just put in the comment section right now, just shout out like where you're at, where you're joining us from. And then you're gonna need to get ready because you're gonna need like eight or nine all caps amens coming up in this message. So just kind of have those ready to go, like copy and paste, just, you know, but space them out, just space, don't don't overload it, just space them out for the message. So uh, those of you who are here or online, they've been tracking, we've been in a teaching series called The Search for Church. And I've loved the, the, this teaching series as we, you know, really ask honest questions about does church really even matter? What even is church anymore? And does, does it still even matter? And if you've missed any of the weeks, especially last week, you can go back to our podcast or, or to our YouTube page and you can catch up there. But this week, I want to close out this teaching series by, by really going after what is at the heart of the church. What's at the heart of the church? And more specifically, What's at the heart of this church? What's at the heart of this church? And where do we sense God leading us together in this next season? So if you're new around here, maybe you've been coming for a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so, and you're kind of new and trying to check this church out, you couldn't have picked a better Sunday to be here. Well done. Give yourself a hand for that. You showed up on a great Sunday because we're just going to lay it all out. This is kind of who we are and what we are about. So I'm so, so glad that you're here for that. Uh, this last week, as I was working on this message, I was actually working on it uh, part of the time in one of my favorite coffee shops. And I started talking with the barista as I'm prone to do. Just ask my kids. I'll talk to any server, any barista, anyone at Home Depot, whether they work there or not. I'll just start talking uh, to people. And so I was talking to the barista about all the changes that this coffee shop has gone through over the last two years. Now, this is a little indie coffee shop, right? It's not a big chain. It's a little indie coffee shop that at best seats 20 people, okay? But we were talking about all that they've had to do over the last two years. I mean, they, they had to shut down like everything else in the world two years ago. They completely shut down for a number of weeks. And then they had to move to figure out how to do online orders only and takeout only. So you couldn't even come in. They just had to kind of meet you at the door and give it to you. Then when people could come back, they had to figure out how to configure it to be socially distanced. So it went from about 20 people to like seven that could actually sit there. And, and then you had to be masked. And then they had to figure out how to check vax cards because that was the thing they had to figure out how to do. And, and during that time, th- to make sure that people were in there who could be in there, they put all the chairs in the back of this little coffee shop. And so if you had your mask and you had your Vax card, uh, then you'd have to go back and get your own chair and bring it to a table, which I didn't mind doing, but I just thought, huh, that's an interesting choice. And so, th- so they did that for a while. And then, you know, they, they dropped the Vax card and then they dropped the mask, uh, you know, mask being optional. And, and, then, and then she was telling me that they've decided as a staff out of uh, an abundance of caution for now, they're going to continue as a staff to keep wearing masks. And I just like, I just had to take a breath after all that. I'm like, that is a lot of change for a little coffee shop. All that they've had to navigate and all that they've had to work out over these last two years. Like that is significantly a lot 
of change. And, and you think about all the things in our lives that have changed significantly over the last two years. Think about from, let's well, just think about like how you work. That, my hunch is that's probably changed somewhat, right? In the last two years, for at least most of us, right? I mean, for some of us, you weren't going in the office. There's some friends I know whose company still won't let them back in the building. It's been two, like they still have a coffee mug with half a cup of coffee from two years ago. There's gonna be plants and things growing out of that coffee when they get, so that's, you know, and then some of us have to figure out, okay, how do we do the hybrid thing? Some days at home, some, some days at the office, we've had to figure out Zoom meetings and how to navigate all of that. That's a lot. How you work has significantly changed, hasn't it? And yet, we still keep going to work, don't we? We still keep working. Those of us who have jobs, we keep working. Think about how you, uh, how you work out, right? How you work out. Maybe you used to have a gym membership and, and you really loved having that gym. Like you loved belonging to that gym. Whether you win or not, you belonged to that gym, right? And so you had your gym membership, but then when all those shut down, you had to figure out, oh, how am I gonna do this at home? And so maybe you bought some gear, some bands, some weights. Maybe you bought a Peloton, right? And so you figured out how to get it all in your room to look just like the commercial and you got all that set up but then the gym's open back up again. And so now you gotta figure out, wait, am I supposed to sell all this stuff or do I go back and do that again? And yet nevertheless, over the last two years, we've still worked out. Some of us have still worked out. We're gonna work out, all right? Just leave us alone, right? So you get it, we've kept on going. We've had to keep figuring out. And then, and then like, even just think about this, how we do church. How much has changed over the last two years? Two years ago, we had to shut our doors completely. And at that time, we thought it would be a month, just a couple weeks, you know, we'll be back. We had to figure out how to move everything we do online, everything we do online. Then we had to figure out how can we be in person? What's a safe way for us to do that? And, and so we figured out, oh, well, there's a drive-in here in Chicago. Let's do church at the drive-in. Maybe some of you came to that. That was so fun to do church at the drive-in. That was fun. And we figured out how to meet in the parking lot. Well, I don't know, we'll meet in the parking lot. We'll figure out ways to connect. And then we were able to let people back in the building, but you needed to be masked to do that. And then we had all of our distance seating, but then we were able to add more seats over time. And then eventually we're, we're at now where masks are optional and we're still trying to navigate how do we keep up with all the changes that have gone on over the last two years. And, and, and if you're here, to me, that's evidence that somehow, some way, you are still committed at some level to God's idea of the church. You, you're, you're here. You're here. And, and, you, and it means that at some level, you, you, you want to be a part of a church. And I think for any of us who wants to be a part of a church, even though it's changed so much over the last few years, I think we have to ask ourselves a, a question. Uh, we have to get honest and, and answer a question that maybe you've been asking yourself lately or some version of this question lately as you think about specifically about church and all that's changed in your life and all that's changed in church over the last two years. I think an important question for us to wrestle with is, uh, what's church even for anymore? Like really? What is church even, what's, what's church really for anymore? And I don't know what your history is with church, but we all know that not only has life changed, church has changed. So really, what is the point of it all? Does it even really matter? Does it even make a difference in my life or in, in this world? What's it really for? So these are incredibly important questions, I think, for each of us to ask, especially after all that we've been through. So what I want to do over just the next couple moments is bring us back to what God's dream for his church is, what it's always been, back to what Jesus's plan was for the church, and see how you and I are actually invited to be a part of that right here, right now, to be a part of what God is doing in the world through his church. So we're gonna, kinda, we're gonna start out like at a Google Earth level, then we're gonna zoom in a little bit more and talk about this church, then we're gonna zoom in and talk about you and me, and what does that mean 
to be a part of what God is doing in the world through his church. And like so many other things in our life right now, I want to make this, I want to make this as simple and as clear as possible today. If I do my job well, hopefully it's going to be as simple and clear as possible as we attempt to answer that question, not only why the church, but why this church? Why this, why Soul City Church? So I think what would be helpful is if we got on the same page, specifically around what we mean when we say church, because Look, all of us have had different church experiences, right, in our lives. Some of us have never gone before. Some of us have gone to different kinds of churches. And there's all kinds of different churches. So when I say church, what church means to you may be very different than what it means to you. So I thought it'd be helpful for us to kind of get on the same page with what we're talking about when we talk about church. And I love the way that one of my favorite, favorite authors, Brennan Manning, puts it. I love his definition of what the church is. This is what he says. He says that the church is the living extension of Jesus Christ in time and space. Mm, that's good, right? The church, this is all it is. It's the living extension of Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his work in the world, in time and space, here and now. That's what the church is. Let me say this, be really, really, really clear on this. The church is not about a building. It's not about institution. It's not an organization. It's not all about denomination. It's not about obligation. It's not about having religious content to make you feel better in the week. That's not it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the living extension of Jesus Christ in this world, in time and space. In other words, the world redeeming work that God entrusted to Jesus, Jesus entrusts to his church. What he was about, we are to be about in this world. That's the church. And we don't need to make it much more complicated than that. And in Acts chapter one, we see Jesus gather, he gathers his disciples together like one literal last time before he leaves the earth to send them out as that living extension of his life and his ministry. And he has them all huddled together there this one last time. And he gives them as much of a, of a, of a game plan for the church as he was ever going to give them. And, and it's far simpler than you actually might imagine. In fact, I want you to grab a Bible and we're going to go to Acts chapter one. So if you're here in, in this room, there should be either on your chair or under your chair. One of these little Bibles that looks like this. Why don't you grab it and turn to Acts chapter one so we can all be there together. It's on page 882 in the Soul City Bible. So go ahead. You should have one. Grab it. Page 882 in the Soul City Bible. If you're worshiping with us online, just open up another tab or on your phone to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one, page 882 in the Soul City Bible. Now, let me give you some context as to where we're at in Acts chapter one. This is after the cross. This is after the resurrection. In fact, Jesus had been with his disciples for about 40 days when this event happened, continuing his work of ministry and preparing them for theirs. He's about to hand off like literally his life's work, like the thing he gave his life for. He's about to hand off to these folks, to these folks who'd never led a church before because they'd never been a church before. They had no idea what they were doing. None of them had gone to seminary, not a single one of them. None of them had gone to a church leadership conference. None of them had read an awesome church leadership book. They were as unprepared as you can imagine. But nevertheless, Jesus entrusted his redemptive plan to them and to you and to me, to the church. This is what it says in Acts 1.8. Let's read this together. I'm going to pause on a word and you shout it out, okay? I'm counting on you. All right, here we go. Acts 1.8. But you will receive what? You will receive... Ooh, that, like, your energy does not match that word. 
I'm just like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to do it again. So you can try that. again. We're going to have a do over, but you will receive power. Jesus says when the Holy spirit comes on you and now pay attention to this and you will be my witnesses, the living extension of me in time and space in. And this is very important where he says in Jerusalem, we're going to unpack this in a second and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is about as much as Jesus is going to give them right here. Cause look what happens in verse nine. Keep reading down to verse nine. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. He's saying one of the most important things that they're going to hear. And then poof, he gone. Like he, he's gone. <laughs> That's it. Can you imagine his disciples must've had, I don't know, a few questions for Jesus, right? And you can see him and he's kind of literally rising up to heaven, like trying to grab his ankles. Like, wait, wait, Jesus, wait, 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 wait. Like, when do we start? Like, oh, Jesus, wait, hold up, hold up. Hold. Who's in charge? Because Peter thinks it's him. Who's actually in charge here? Where, Jesus, where are we supposed to meet? When do we meet? Well, how are we supposed to do this? Jesus, Jesus, wait, wait, Jesus. Do you think we should start with like a mailer to the community or maybe some signs on bus stops or more of an organic marketing kind of thing? You know, like a word of mouth. They had questions, okay? That's the point. They had questions. And Jesus is like, deuces, disciples, you got this. I'm going to prepare a place for you. All my life's work, what I gave my life for, I give to you. That's it. God's redemptive plan was in their hands. And while Jesus didn't give them much in the way of instructions, he did give them some pretty clear direction. Do you remember what he said back in Acts chapter 1, 8? Do you remember kind of the order of how things went? He said that, that you will receive power. Remember we just read that? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so it starts with you. It starts there. Then he said, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the city that they were in. And then Judea and Samaria, that's kind of the surrounding kind of counties, areas, province around them. And then to the ends of the earth. See what Jesus is saying here is that the work of God first starts in you then works its way out of you. It starts in here and then goes out there. And when you know it, this is the crazy thing, when you know it, this is exactly what happens. Because shortly after this moment in Acts chapter one, we get to Acts chapter two, and there's a moment where these first followers of Jesus were huddled together, hiding in a house in the city of Jerusalem, didn't know what to do next. Jesus had told them what to do. They're like, I don't know. I don't, you're going to start. I don't know. You're going to start it. I don't know. So they're hiding out. They're praying. They're seeking God. They don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit comes just as Jesus said the Holy Spirit would and lands on each one of them and fills them first with power. And then out of that transforming work that the Holy Spirit does in them, it begins to work its way inside out as it always does, just like Jesus promised. And on that very first day in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and preaches his very first sermon. And all he did was tell them about the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus and why they should say yes to Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter two that some 3,000 people on that first day said yes to Jesus and the church was born in the city of Jerusalem. 3,000 people, that's his first sermon. That's a pretty good sermon. And for those of y'all, I just need to point this out. 
The first church was a mega church, okay? Get over it. 3,000 people. It was a logistical nightmare. They were not ready for a church, let alone a mega church, right? But that's how it starts. And then the text keeps going, and more and more and more and more were added. And this thing called the church was born. Where was it born? First in their hearts. Then in the city of Jerusalem. And then as we read on in Acts chapter eight, what you see is because of persecution, because the, the religious officials and the Roman officials did not want to see this church continue to grow and grow as it was, they began to persecute the church and that caused it actually to spread even further. And so it spread out of the city of Jerusalem into, anyone want to guess? Judea, Samaria, the surrounding provinces, new churches began to pop up. And then what we see is we keep on reading and we get to Acts chapter 13 and this character named Paul comes onto the scene and he actually begins to take this gospel message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the known world, as far as he could go. He would go and start and plant and bless churches all over the known world. Beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Samaria, the church would keep spreading and spreading and growing and growing and reaching people right up to this very day. It's almost as if it was exactly like Jesus said it would. And that's the model that we see of how this all works, what this is all about. It starts with the disciples, the Holy Spirit coming and empowering them, transforming them from the inside out. What they didn't know is that Jesus had been preparing them. They just couldn't see it. And then it spreads to Jerusalem, to the city, and then it spreads out to the rest of the world. See, that's what God does. The, this is what happens. It, 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 God works first in them and then he works out of them. He works out of them. He works it through them. The internal work, this is important. This is really, really important. The internal work always precedes the external work. This is how we see God work. God first works in you and then works through you. And, and both are important. That's what we see here. It's not just that God works in them because lots of people want to be a part of a church that just fills them up, fills them up, fills them up, fills them up, but they don't do anything with it. That's not the point of what we're talking about. Some people want to be a part of a church that's out there, out there doing stuff, but they are dying on the inside. They are dying trying to help people find Jesus and they can't find him themselves. So God says, no, 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 I'm going to fill you up and then pour you out. I'm going to fill you up and then pour you out. The work starts in here and then it goes out there through you. This is the kind of transformation that the church is actually supposed to be about in the world, to help people grow in Christ and then go into the world. That's what all of this is supposed to be about. That's why we exist. In fact, that's why we exist as a church. All we want to do is we want to help transform people that help transform the world. We want to do whatever we can do to help transform people more and more and more into the image of Christ so that they can transform the world more and more into the image of Christ. That's it. That's it. That's what this church is here for. That's why we exist. That's why we started this church is to partner with God to help people transform and that end up out of that transformation, transforming the world. And you know, as I was uh, preparing and studying and, and wrestling with this message this week, I, I came across an old document. I was actually in that little indie coffee shop and I found this old document. I couldn't believe I found it. It was like, I was like the bottom of my Google Drive. And, I, and I've, I've found this old document that Jean and I had actually created years and years and years ago as we attempted to capture the dream of, of what we imagined God's church could be, especially a, a, a church in the city. We wanted to be able to communicate the, the what and the who that this church was on one page. We just wanted to try, can we get kind of this dream that God's given us down to one page? And I found that one page document and I actually printed it and brought it. This is our 
six page, one page. <laughs> because if you know me and Jeannie, we're you know, not anything if not verbose. So we could not get it down to one page, but we got it down to, to six pages. And, and, and this is what we wrote. This is from, it says draft. I love that. Soul City Church, draft 22409. So we're going back a little bit here. And it says, Soul City's one word description, transformation, all caps, transformation. And then the next line it says is, Soul City's mantra, and just pause. I love that we were so, we had a mantra. We didn't have any money. We didn't have anywhere to meet, but we had a mantra. Look out world, here we come. We had a mantra. And this was our mantra. This is what we wrote in February 24th, 2009. We wanna join God in his transformational love of the soul, the city, and the world. This, this little one sheet that's actually six sheets, this is before we moved back to Chicago. This is before we, we, we knew about this block. This is before we even knew about this building. This is before we met and got to know any of you. This is before anyone told me that maybe I could just chill out a little on the white belt, white loafer look that I was rocking in 09. Like, just pump your brakes there, buddy. A little bit on that look. This is before we knew about the, this is before we just got to experience the miraculous provision of God. This is before we knew that, that starting this church that's all about one word transformation would transform us from the inside out, change our lives and turn us upside down. This was written before we knew about a global pandemic. And like all those first followers of Jesus, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And yet in, in the midst of, of so much that's changed since then and so much that's changed in the last two years, our vision of transformation has actually remain the same. Inspired by the vision that Jesus gave his first followers. And, and, and if you want to know what the church is about, if you want to know what this church is about, then look to what the church is for. What's it for? And so I just want to let you know what our church is for. Our, our, our vision of transformation, if you will. I just want to kind of lay out just in the next couple of seconds, what our, our vision of, of transformation is. And our vision of transformation starts with what we said in this document, based on what we saw in, the, in Acts 1-8 from Jesus, our vision for transformation starts with the soul. We're for the soul. We believe that that's, that's what we want to start, is that, that word. We believe that, that God's best work is done at the soul level, not at the surface level. We're not trying to get together and play church feel good for an hour and a half and then like forget about it the rest of the week. No, we believe that God's best work happens at the soul level. When you know deep down, like you know deep down that there has to be more to life. You know that feeling you've got maybe late at night or as you're walking about the city, you're going to work and you're like, wait, there's gotta be more than this. That's your soul awakening. And we believe that God wants to speak directly into that space. When the bottom falls out and you hit a wall and it's all the old things that used to work don't work anymore. And maybe you're beginning to lose relationship. You're beginning to lose credibility. You're beginning to lose trust and you have nowhere else to turn but God. That soul level openness right there. We believe that's where God does his best work. When you wanna be with people, surrounded by people who actually know you and love you and where you can actually know them and love them. That is soul level community. See, we just think that's where God does his best work. And so that's why we as a church are doubling down and continuing in our care and recovery efforts, our care and recovery groups. Cause we just believe that is soul level transformation. That's where some of the realest work is done. 
All of our groups, in fact, are that's we're, we're about tending to people's souls in the context of community. That's why our prayer hall has a line out the door every single week. That is a sacred soul space. And if you've ever been in our prayer hall, you know there's something different that happens in there. That's people ministering to your soul. That's why when you heard Brandon talk about Alpha a little bit ago, that's why Alpha matters to us because it's a place for you to ask your your kind of soul level spiritual questions. Like, man, what about this though? How come this? Or why does the Bible say that? Those are soul level spiritual questions. And we want to provide a safe space for anyone and everyone to ask those questions, to have dialogue and conversation around those. That's why we invest so much energy and effort into Soul City Kids, because we believe every child has a soul that matters to God. And what we want to do is tend to care for and love and bless that child so that they grow up and become a generation of Jesus followers that maybe just maybe over the course of their life, they might not make some of the same mistakes and have the same regrets that we do because they've decided to walk with Jesus. We care for every little soul in Soul City Kids and Soul City Students. That's why we write and release worship music because we want your soul to be able to connect to God, to say to God the things that are true of God. That's why we provide opportunity every week for you to give. Why, now you may think, oh, it's just kind of about the money and keeps the lights on, pays the bills. That's surface level. Soul level is about release and trust. I release the hold that my stuff has on me, God, and I trust you with it. I trust that it's all from you and it's all for you. And that's why that's so important. Money's the surface level. It's that soul level stuff. That's what we're after. That's what we're about. We want you to experience God and trust God and say yes to God at a soul level, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week in every aspect of your life. That's why it's so important to us. We are for the soul. And we are for this city. We are for the city. We believe that God has us in the city. We don't believe that it was any accident that Jesus told those first followers to stay in the city, to start in the city, that, that, that we're actually, the city would be better because the church is in it and is a part of it, that, 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 that the church would be a benefit to the city that it's in, not a burden to the city that it's in. We believe that God loves this city, every city. He loves this city. And he wants to redeem this city and he wants to bring peace to the city. And God's avenue for doing that is the church. A lot of other amazing organizations that we get to partner with, but it's God's church that can redeem cities. See, this church doesn't merely exist in this city. We exist for this city. Does that make sense? We're not just here geographically. We are here spiritually. We have a purpose that we believe God has given us for this city because the city is where we get to put all that transformation, that soul level stuff, it's where we get to put transformation in action. That's why we make such a big deal about the house of hope around here. You've probably heard us talk about it. That's why we've literally like opened up space directly to our city and to our neighborhood all throughout the week for people to have real life on life transformation, to find healing and help and hope for their lives at real visceral levels. That's why we have our partnerships. We believe in a partnership model where we partner with local schools here in our neighborhood, where we partner with Breakthrough Urban Ministries. I mentor other partnerships that we've built over the last decade or so because we want to get behind the good work that God is doing in this city, to be a part of it, to support it as only the church can. It's why we have the big find coming up in a couple of weeks. You know, it's our goal to throw Chicago's greatest Easter egg hunt, period. And that may not seem like a spiritual goal to you. It's very spiritual to me. We want people to go, I don't know about that church. I've never been there, but man, do they know how to party. That's why we go all out for the big find because we want to say to our neighborhood and to our city, we love you. We're in your corner. We're for you. Here's a little lightness. Here's a little lift for your spirit. 
That's why we offer summer camp to our neighborhood kids and our kids across the city. It's why we do our Thanksgiving baskets every year for thousands of families that we're in partnership with to say, no, we see you. We're in your corner. God loves you. He's for you. It's why we do the Christmas store. It's why we open our building up to the community. You know, there's, there's folks using this space all throughout the week that never come here on Sunday. They come here Monday through Friday. They don't come here on Sunday. And to us, we go, thank you, God, that we have a space that can be leveraged for the redemptive good of this city. It's why we actually have a team of people working right now to take our coffee, our cafe space. You know, the downstairs, you see that in the first floor lobby, that cafe space, right? Some of you are addicted to stopping there. That's your church. And then you come here for the, well, we're opening that up to the neighborhood throughout the week as a sacred space to say, no, you can come here, whether you come on Sundays or not, you have a sacred space where you can come and you can feel the love of God in the space. There's something different about the space that God inhabits. We believe, we believe God has a purpose for us in this city and that is to see it transformed. That's why we're for the city because we believe that when cities are transformed, nations are transformed. And when nations are transformed, the world is transformed. And that's why we believe from day one, like before day one, that we are for the world. We are for this world. Now, thankfully, Jeannie didn't catch this at the nine o'clock gathering, so I'm gonna share this with you. I can't believe she didn't tell me to cut it. This is a sidebar, okay? I, I, I think there are a good amount of people who call themselves Christians, and I'm not here to judge their faith or anything, but there's a, there's a good amount of people who call themselves Christians who all they, seems like all they want to try and do is escape the world, to build a whole little world around themselves outside of this world that we're a part of. It's almost as if sometimes it feels like they hate the world and they hate people in this world and they can't wait for God to take them out of this world. But we believe that it's for the love of this world that God gave his very best, his son, Jesus Christ, that God loves this world deeply, loves this world like no one else, loves this world and has not given up on this world with all of its beauty and all of its brokenness. And if God loves this world, then we probably should too then we should love the world and everyone in it. That's why you hear us talking about our support for Ukraine and what we want to do for people we'll honestly probably never meet. But my hunch is as we unfold the next steps that we're taking as a church, God is going to do something in you that connects you to someone you may never meet, but you get to be a part of what God's doing to redeem the world. That's why we partner with Enlace in El Salvador an amazing organization that is working through community leaders to transform their community. It's our honor and our privilege to come alongside of them. That's why through World Vision, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids in Africa who got to choose who their sponsor was. And while it's amazing and cute that you have a picture of your child that's halfway across the world on your fridge, they've got a picture of you. And they get to thank God that someone said, no, I choose you. I'm here for you. That's why we partner through World Vision, if we're chosen, that's why we partner with World Vision, Team World Vision, when we run the marathon, because we want to see clean water be provided to anyone and everyone who needs it. Just because, listen, just because the world has changed doesn't mean that God doesn't want to still change the world. Just because your world has changed doesn't mean that God doesn't want to still change the world through you, to transform it through people who themselves are being transformed. So if you're wondering what, what's church for I want you to know that this is what we are for. In the same way that Jesus called the church into existence and, and gave it its direction, that's what we want to be about. That's what we want to be about 
as a community, we actually want to see that work go from inside to out, from inside to out, starting in the soul, moving through the city, and then out into the world. That's the work that we believe God has called this church to do. And it starts with your spiritual transformation. It starts with your yes to Jesus. We have nothing to offer this world if God isn't first doing it in our lives, changing my life, changing yours. We have nothing to offer the city if he's not doing it here first. And we want to see God actually transform us as we see him begin to transform this city, as we see him begin to transform this world, that we get to join up with him in that effort. That's what this church is for. We're for the soul, we're for the city, and we're for the world. And I I, want to wrap up here and I I want to let you know that I shared this with John and with Jeannie, a couple of our staff folks. As I was, I was working in that little coffee shop this week at a couple different times, I was, I was legitimately um, wrestling with, with this message. Because see, when John and I came up with it back in the fall, we were so excited. We, John and I got together and we took a day away to kind of dream about where we sense God leading our church when it comes to these gatherings. And we came up with this name, The Search for Church. Both John and I were like, ooh, that's good. And then we like put something down on paper. We're like, well, what if we kind of did this? What if we did this? And on the last week, we'll do a message called Why This Church? And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. We're gonna tell people why this church. Now, so excited to give this talk. And I've been looking forward to it for literally months now. But as I sat down to, to, to write it and I sat down to put my notes together and study and prepare for, for, for our time, I was struggling, legitimately. Like I had to get up a couple times and just walk around the block go, what's going on, God? What is going on? Why am I struggling? I love, like, it's not because I don't believe in the church. I totally believe in the church. As beautiful and broken as it is. It's not because I don't believe in this church. I love this church. Like, I really love this church. I love what we are for. I fundamentally believe that the church really is the living extension of Jesus Christ in time and space. I believe that you cannot follow Jesus without ending up at the church. It wasn't any of that that I was wrestling with, that I was struggling with. It's that I just had this thought of I, I, what I don't want to do. I don't want to put together a sales pitch for this church. It's the last thing I want to do is try and convince you why you should be a part of this church let you know, well, we got this and we got this. You got kids, we got that. Single, we got this. Mostly single people. I'm just saying, you have options. And I didn't want to position us in a space to say, why this church over some other church? Because I love every church that proclaims the name of Jesus in this city. They're my friends. These pastors are my friends. They're not our competition. And I felt like it was like framing, like, well, you should choose us, you know, and we're not going to say it, but not them. If I I just, I was wrestling with that and struggling. God, that's not what I, that's not who we are. That's not what I want. That's not the intention of this message. And what I, what I realized is that what I, what I love, I mean, when I love this church, what what I love more than whether or not you, you are here in person or whether you're joining us online, what, what, what I love more than whether you're, you're brand new or, or, or whether you've been coming here for a while now, more, more than I- any of all of that, I just, what the thing I finally got to and the thing I was wrestling with, I think God was trying to get me to the point of, of seeing and being able to name is more than any of the things that I love about this church and I believe in about this church, more than any of that, I just want you to know Jesus, yes. period. That's all I want. I love this church. 
I believe in this church, but I want, I just, all I want is for you to say yes to Jesus. That's it. That's the point of all of this. It's for you to find and follow Jesus. And God, forgive us when we make it more complicated than that. And God, forgive us when we make it more about the church than we do about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know him. I want you to love him. I want you to trust him. I want you to be formed by him. I want you to be transformed by him. I want you to be a part of what God is actually doing in this church and through this church in the city and in the world. Because the thing I was wrestling with and the thing that I already knew, but I just had to come back to again is just simply this. At the end of the day, Jesus is greater than church. He's greater than this church. He's greater than the church. He's more important than any of it and all of it. The only reason this church exists is to know Jesus and to make him known. That's it. And so I don't want to, I don't want to close out this teaching series. I don't want to close out this message without giving anyone and everyone an opportunity to just simply do that. I just want you to have a chance to say yes to Jesus, whatever it may be that you need to say yes to. And for some of us, it may be like, you've been kind of walking around here, checking this out, checking God out. And you know, you know, you know that your yes is a yes to Jesus, to life with him, relationship with him. And I want to give you a moment to mark that and say yes to him. And for others of us, it may be an area of your life where you're still kind of holding out and holding on. Like, now, okay, God, I, I trust you, but not with this, not with this relationship. Not with this habit, not with this pattern, not with this addiction. I'm going to manage that on my own, God. So in essence, I'm going to say no to you in those areas. Would you be willing to say yes today? Yes to trusting him. Yes to release. Yes to the freedom that he has for you. So I just want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. That's all I want to do. So if you'd stand right now, I'd love to pray with you and for you. And We take a posture of prayer around here where we open up our hands. And it's just a symbol for us of openness and availability to God. If you'd be willing to, that'd be awesome to take that posture. Close your eyes. Just focus in. Where is it that you need to say yes to Jesus? What, what is the place you know in your heart that you need to say yes to Jesus? You've been holding out. You've been doubting him, trusting yourself more than him. And today's the day you just say, no, I say yes to you. I say yes to trusting you. Yes to following you. Yes to all of you. Yes to all of me. And what I'm going to do for anyone here who wants to say yes to Jesus, to be in a relationship with him, to begin a relationship with him, I know that there are folks here who are ready to do that, to say yes to Jesus. I know there are students here who are ready to say yes to Jesus. There are folks here who've maybe tried religion in the past and it didn't lead you any closer to Jesus, but you're here now and you know that it's your time to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to say a prayer that you can say in your own words. And you can say it right now. You can copy and paste my prayer and make it your prayer to say yes to Jesus. So if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, if you want to say yes to him, then you can just repeat this prayer after me. You just simply say, Jesus, I say yes. I say yes to you. Thank you for saying yes to me. Jesus, I confess I've made a mess of my life. And so today, I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to your freedom. I say yes to your love. I say yes to life with you. Make me new. Make me whole. 
help me to follow you every day of my life. And that is our prayer. Jesus, we thank you for every person who says yes to you and everyone who's joining with us right now online who's saying yes to you. That's all we want. That's all we want. God, help us and forgive us for when we put anything else in the way of that. We just want to say yes to you, Jesus, because that's how your church was built. There was a handful of people who said yes to you. And every step along the way, it's taken people just to say yes and to say yes and to say yes. And so would you... Build your church in us and through us, through our yes today. May we be a part of that transformation that begins at our soul level and then works as can't help but work its way out into the city and across the world. It's your church. It's your church. It's your church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing in the world. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.